0: Do you know what I've started doing the last few times we've been doing this is I didn't know you could hide self view, you know on a, on Zoom.
1: Oh yeah,
0: yeah I know that's like a basic thing that everyone does, but you know it's just like it's so much fucking better. I'm not looking at myself for the entire I, time.
1: I, well, I'm in love with myself to be honest. So I like looking, at looking at Basically, right I look at, at nobody else but me.
0: <laughs> I, 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 no, I know.
1: If there was an option to hide all the rest of you and just have a big version <laughs> of me on the screen, hide other view. Yeah. <laughs> and welcome to another edition of films on trial i'm gav
2: i'm alex i'm dave and i'm austin
1: and this week we continue our best of 2023 season as we look to put some of the biggest films of 2023 on trial and this week we're looking at perhaps one of the most divisive films of last year that's right we'll be putting Saltburn on trial is it bathtub gin or is it Bath talk. Well, you can guess where I'm going yeah, with it, so it's I not can. right there. Stop right there. <laughs> it's our imagination, then. Essentially, will this be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list? But before we go on to talk about the film, let's talk about the last trial that we did, which was Oppenheimer, the 2023 epic biopic. Alex, famed Christopher Nolan detractor, judged <laughs> that trial... <laughs> and deemed that it should, surprisingly, be placed on the hit list. Now, Alex has gone away, (laughs) and I know for a fact that he has watched this three-hour epic, and I'm very interested to hear if he thinks he made the right call or not. Alex?
0: Uh, It's the best Christopher Nolan film, I think, that's fair. I think, you know, it's it's a biopic about a man who famously didn't have many feelings and I do feel that's Christopher Nolan possibly leaning into his strengths a little bit on that one
3: uh, <laughs> almost an autobiography <laughs> basically
0: I I thought it was a very good film it's it's definitely on the right list but I didn't think it was a great film and I think the fact that it doesn't it doesn't go to look at you know it, his actual guilt in the film only lasts about five minutes and then he goes to the president and the president's like oh yeah don't worry about it I did it and then he sort of goes on from there, and not looking at it from a Japanese perspective, I just think is weird. So loads of good stuff in there. Roads of really good stuff in there, but I just think, I just think it could have been great, uh, and, and it just didn't go for the uh, didn't go for some easy things that it had to do. So uh, so yeah, but I did enjoy it for three hours. So uh, even after you basically telling me everything that happened, so no, I, it was a good film.
1: Well, I'm very very surprised because when you said it's the best Christopher Nolan film. That technically didn't mean that he liked it. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. Absolutely nothing. So more more Christopher Yeslin than
2: Christopher hey. Nolan. <laughs> so Gav
1: makes it look so hard. We can all do puns. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Alex. Now on to the trial. All of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. And all of today's insults are descriptions of the best bathtubs in the UK that you can buy in the year 2023. So acting as defense and trying to get this film placed on their hit list is me. And I'm just like the Hampshire bathtub, very angled, perfect for deep soaks and comes in daffodil yellow. (laughs) How'd you finish that sentence?
3: (laughs) I'm not. <laughs> I know, actually, I just, I'm just i just listening to what you actually said, and it's a, it's a little bit sad, really.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sad figure. Uh, so acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list is Dave. And Dave is just like the clear water, Nebia, natural stone, freestanding bath. He's smooth and created in a shape meant to cradle your body for complete relaxation. <laughs> You too, Gav. You too. <laughs> and joining Dave is Alex. And Alex is just like the teardrop grand bath. He's extremely durable and hard wearing, has softly curved shape and a very thin rim. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus
0: Christ. I, don't, I just don't I just don't know what to say to
1: that (laughs) (laughs) now just like real court advocates the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles these may or may not be their real opinions though so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear what they really think and in the role of judge who must decide which list this film should be placed on hit or shit based solely on the arguments put to him is aussie and Ozzy is just like the ofuru Japanese-style soaking bathtub. He's short, steep-sided, and made for relaxing and warming, rather than washing. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? Now, before we get started, I think that we should probably give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the Wheel of Impressions. So here what we do is we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week, it has landed on Alex. So how would we like Alex to read out the synopsis?
2: Um, I mean, there's only a couple of options, really, isn't there? There's Barry Keoghan's sort of Good half Irish, half Scouse. That he's <laughs> yeah, old on in this one, old school Scouse. Yeah even, or, you know, I,
0: even though I live in Liverpool I'd rather not do a Scouts accent
2: yeah. or <laughs> or you can do like the very I want to say effect, affected sort of oxbridge yeah. accent yeah can you do richard e grant <laughs> yeah make it as oxbridge as you possibly can i'll do an <laughs> oxbridge
0: richard e grant okay i mean um, you lived
2: in cambridge for a bit right
0: yeah exactly so you know <laughs> you think i should be able to do it uh no no hang on yeah i'll i'll do i'll do just a a, a standard uh, oxbridge student uh, a student at Oxford University uh, finds himself drawn into the world of a charming and aristocratic classmate who invites him to his eccentric family's sprawling estate for a summer never to be forgotten.
1: <laughs> that was great. That Good. I liked the inflection midway through the sessions yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, it sounded like it was all a long question. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much for that, Alex. And over to Ozzy to kick off proceedings, please. Yeah, well, I've you know heard a lot about the
3: film. I've uh, seen clips, I've seen memes, I've seen all sorts of completely out of context uh, items. So please, Defence, um, let me have a little run through. Tell me what it's all about. Give me try and
1: piece together these memes and let me know what's going on thanks oh i'll piece it together for you all right now this is emerald Fennel's second feature after the brilliant promising young woman as i mentioned in my opening statements when i was talking about it saltburn has proved to be a very divisive film and a lot of that has got to do with the story and some of the more outrageous moments within it Now, ordinarily, I wouldn't spend too long recounting the story and telling you what it's all about. But I think in this instance, it's necessary to do so because we're probably going to talk about some of those story matters later on. (laughs) So it starts in 2006. We're introduced to Oliver Quick, played by Barry Keoghan, a young lad from Prescott. What a shithole. Who would live there, eh? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's a shame he's not online isn't it it's, yeah yeah for, for, for those who don't know that's where Joel lives um, but he is struggling to fit in at Oxford uni due to his working class background now Oliver befriends popular rich kid Felix Catton played by Jacob Elordi who is sympathetic to Oliver's stories about his parents mental health and substance abuse issues When Oliver's father unexpectedly dies, Jacob invites him to stay the summer at his family's country house, which is called Saltburn, hence the title. Now, Oliver wins over the entire family with the exception of Jacob's cousin, Farley. Oliver's obsession with Jacob grows more. And one night, he secretly watches Jacob tugging it in the bath. (laughs) And there's probably a better way I could have phrased that, uh, but I didn't. Probably. And uh, once Jacob has, has left the tub, Oliver subsequently slurps up the bathwater once Jacob's left the room. So that's probably one of the so, memes. Or, or that's
3: Oliver. one of the, That that's answered certainly one of my biggest questions about the uh, about what I've seen so far.
1: You just thought that maybe that the character was very very thirsty and there wasn't a lot of suitable <laughs> yeah, drinking Is options. That... <laughs> Is that a major plot point? No. No, but we'll probably talk about it, I imagine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he, he, had to bring, he had to bring it
0: up just because it is going to be mentioned.
1: With yeah, bearing in mind we spent about 20 minutes of the Green Mile episode talking about <laughs>
3: Tom Hanks' penis. Yeah, I imagine... you should know Gav by now, Aussie. <laughs> in some ways, I thought that may have been my fault in the Green Mile, but
1: um, yeah. You, d- you certainly didn't help. <laughs> now, anyway, right, moving on. Oliver also then performs oral sex on Jacob's sister, Venetia, who was on her period at the time. So that might be another of the big talking moments you're talking crucial, about. Crucial plot point from Gav there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Real water cooler stuff, this, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh,
1: he also then borderline sexually assaults Farley, threatening him in the process. And the next day, Farley is kicked out of the house by James, played by Richard E. Grant. He's the patriarch of the family, after discovering Farley's supposed intentions to sell family valuables. As the summer ends, Jacob and house matriarch Elspeth plan a birthday party for Oliver. And as a gift, Jacob takes Oliver on a drive and surprises him by taking him to see Oliver's mother, where it's discovered that not only is his father still actually alive, but that his parents live well, his parents are pretty well respectable and they live in a middle-class suburb in Prescott. Now, Jacob is absolutely furious at the betrayal and at Oliver's party, he asks him to leave Saltburn. The next morning, Jacob is found dead after presumably passing out and choking on his own vomit. The family grieve and Oliver, obviously and understandably, makes love to Jacob's freshly dug grave. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who, who hasn't who hasn't done that at some point <laughs> in their life? But uh, well, anyway,
0: Benicia... I imagine at some point, you know, we'll all be doing it to each other, I
3: guess. <laughs> Last man standing. <laughs> it's, the, it's the craziest
1: tontine anyone's ever heard of. <laughs> Uh, Now, Venetia suspects that Oliver was responsible for Jacob's death, but the next morning, she is found dead herself after supposedly killing herself in the bathtub. Oliver is finally asked to leave Saltburn by James. And then fast forward, now in 2022, Oliver reads about James's death in the newspaper. And after a chance encounter with Elspeth at a cafe, she insists that he returns with her to Saltburn. And after spending several months together, she becomes terminally ill and on her deathbed, Oliver confesses to killing her two kids, and then he kills her. Uh, So, yeah, um, we see that Elspeth has bequeathed saltburn to Oliver, and then he murders her by removing her life support, and then he does a happy, naked dance around the house, Uh, (laughs) which is probably another one of the talking points that you were speaking of earlier. So, this is a stylish and entertaining look at the blissful ignorance, I think, of the privileged upper classes and how maybe easily manipulated they can be. It's visceral, it's very in-your-face, but it's also very engaging. And it flips from being funny to intriguing to making you squirm in your seat. It really, really evokes a reaction from you, to say the least. The script is incredibly well written, and it's delivered by a superb cast led by the very impressive Barry Keoghan. The film definitely isn't for the faint of heart, but it will stay with you, and you will be discussing this long after the credits roll.
3: Uh, on that note of discussion, so far, there's very little I can actually talk about in work. I think. <laughs> Get away
0: with it. <laughs> I can't talk about any of it, Aussie. For obviously, <laughs>
3: yeah. That is. Yep. Yep. I can imagine yours is in a. You're in a much more difficult situation than I am to discuss. It. It's tricky okay well that I mean it it sounds interesting enough it sounds entertaining it definitely I can understand why it's captured so many people's imagination based on that alone so pray tell why is it shit
0: it's shit because it's so uneven like that you know Gav says it's about the blissful ignorance of the middle of the upper classes being and it's not really like the the film begins quite interesting in quite an interesting way I've never seen a film have a twist that actually makes the rest of it more dull like it's weird it's like <laughs> the exact opposite of what a good twist does you know if you think about the sixth set the twist in the sixth sense you know one of the better twists in, in all cinema you realize actually you know he's not been looking after the boy the boy's been looking after him it makes you rethink the entire structure of the plot you can go back and re-watch it in this the film brings up these really interesting themes at the beginning. Like, you know, as Gav said, he can't fit into the Oxford way of life. You know, he's a, a poor child moving into these upper echelons of society. But, you know, he can't, you know, just because he's pulled himself up by the bootstraps doesn't mean he's one of them, you know, and he's, he's still a part. Then he talks about his parents' mental health issues. And, you know, there's that interesting thing of how quick they are to believe that with no evidence, you know, the rich people. <laughs> And then, then there's you know fish out of water. He's adapting to the new life, and that's all really interesting stuff. You, you know you begin the film, it's set up, and you're like, great, let's go, let's find out all about it. And then this oddness starts creeping in. So these scenes where you're like, all right, that's you know, you know, Gav is saying it's evocative and shocking. I, I, I maybe I'm just like completely cynical or just jaded because it just I was just like, well, that's odd that he's, uh, you know, what, wh- why do I need to know that he's gone down on her when she's, you know, when she's on a period? Like, okay, do you know what I mean? It was just like. Right, okay, well, well, is that advanced anything? Is that saying anything about his character? Is that, well, not really, it doesn't. And then we just, we continue. But then the oddness sort of takes over. And then in the last part, as you can hear from what, from Gav's synopsis of it, it just ends up with like mass killings and that person kills himself and this person kills himself. And it just turns into like a, a murder mystery. And at the end, I mean, it's a pretty, you know, what's happened really. I think as soon as Felix dies, I was, you know, you're just like, well, obviously... Obviously, it's Oliver that's killed him. You know I mean? That's, is that even in question? And then that just throws out all the interesting parts of the film for me. All the things about, you know, him fitting into, you know, to, to, to the upper parts of society. You know, the idea of why he's lied. Who is Oliver? Why is he lied to get to where he is? Like, what, what was his background like? You don't find anything. This is just some stone-cold psycho kid. And I just think, you know, it just goes it has an interesting setup and I just don't think it knew what to do with it so it relied on a lot of style and these shocking sort of moments to push it over the edge and I I just think it's I think it's pretty lazy cinema to be honest and and I think it's a real waste and yeah just I just think from a story point of view it's just weird to watch a film get less interesting the more you watch it and uh so, honestly, for the first half, I was like, Saltburn's brilliant. I-, I love Saltburn. Like, this is absolutely fantastic. Doing a really great job. Really interesting look at, at this. This is a fascinating, you know, not been done before. I- interesting time period to look at. And then by the end, I couldn't be bothered watching it. I mean, when he takes his pants off and starts banging the grave, I- honestly, <laughs> it-, it wasn't like, it- honestly, I'm not saying that, like, I, I-, I didn't feel anything. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I was just watching him do it. And it was just like, I don't care about him. I don't care about the guys <laughs> in the grave. I don't care about any of them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't care. So I, I don't know. It, it wasn't evocative or shocking because I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't shocked and it didn't evoke anything out of me. And, you know, the idea of it having any point by the end is just absurd. So great first half, what the hell happened to Saltburn in the second into the, you know, in the back half of it?
3: that's pretty damning stuff Uh, I'm going to give you a chance Gav to come back I can uh, see you itching rearing to go but sometimes that's not because you really want to speak (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh,
1: that was very very funny Sorry, but, it's a very but cheap cheap, listened, cheap we'll joke. It. No, it. no one else will ever get.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, a serious health condition, by the way, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, it's been a
3: really long day, and you guys are the first people I've had a chance to have a moan at. So yeah,
1: <laughs> um, yeah. No, all I will say is that we don't know that like Oliver wasn't wasn't just testing to see if Jacob was really dead. You know how sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't get his his hand down there to, to knock on the lid so anyway uh, i i i disagree i think it became much more interesting when we find out that like that whole reveal of oliver actually being quite well himself quite privileged and the whole thing about his his working class background being a complete lie I thought that was quite quite fascinating, to be honest. Yeah, and I think it makes it much more interesting because, like, when we see Oliver, the first half of the film that Alex is talking about, he's this really sympathetic character. We feel we we feel sorry for him. It's not he's not fitting in. He's being bullied at Harvard. Then we hear about this tragic upbringing of his, and then he has his father's death. And even after all of that, when he's taken to Saltburn, it's almost like he's essentially taken as like a plaything, you know a a thing to entertain the cat and family we feel that he's he's being manipulated a little bit or he's being toyed with but then slowly begins to reveal himself uh, both metaphorically and and literally probably by the end of the film (laughs) and we see that he is in fact a a master manipulator And, and I think it's really interesting because you know at the end you see the He's, he's orchestrated a lot of this stuff. So his chance meeting with Jacob right at the beginning of the film is because Jacob's tire on his bike blows. And Oliver says, oh, why don't you use my my bicycle? You cycle to, to school and I'll, I'll carry yours back and take it to the dorm. That's a chance meeting. And then Jacob's like, oh, thank you so much. How can I ever repay you? And they become friends from there. And then actually we find out that later on in the film, it was Oliver that actually put a pin in jacob's tire so we we we're never really sure of oliver's intentions you know did he manipulate and scheme his way into Saltburn because he was in love with felix or was it because he was aspiring to be him you know did it start off as one and maybe end up as the other was it was he planning this controlled downfall all along or did he decide upon when he relied when he arrived at Salt-Bairn and had this sort of like taste of opulence the wealth the respect or where his actions like desperate attempts to cling on to that life for as long as he could and then after felix snubs his advances at the party he decided to then carry out this plan i, I really like it and i think the whole thing As I said before, I know that Alex disagreed, but I thought it's a fascinating look at the allure of the social elites and the desperate and even depraved lens that somebody might go to to become part of it. You know, it reminded me a little bit of the ball on the floor episode of Succession at times. Uh, But here, Oliver is essentially playing along the whole time. He knows that he's being used and he's quietly scheming and contemplating his next move. And I thought it was really, really really well done. I mean, Emerald Fennell knows how to write a good script. Her debut, Promising Young Woman, won the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. And like that, this is incredibly well written, plenty of twists and scheming and a lot of dark humour. And the dialogue at times is really, really funny. There you go. I mean, Dave, maybe you got a
3: little something to, to add in after that. It's um, That was a really good set of comebacks. For me, it sounds like an interesting piece. I can... I can totally understand where Alex is coming from so far that it's, you I mean, it sounds batshit crazy, but uh, but for the minute, it sounds like it's all pieced together. There's, there's thought behind everything. Everything's got uh, a reason to have happened and it's all good artistic choices.
2: I Any? Mean, yeah. you know, I was six years old before I watched someone have sex with a freshly dug grave. <laughs> and I could have gone another 36 years in life without having seen it, to be honest with you, Ozzy. <laughs> uh, this film just relies on shock factor. I'm going to with, stick with exactly what Alex just said. It goes from bizarre to disgusting, all in the name of shock value. It, and you know what? I don't mind a little bit of shock value every now and again, but there's got to be something in between. you just got these bizarre, disgusting moments that kind of just link themselves together, and it's just filled with, with something quite tedious, in the middle, I don't think it is a particularly good study of the upper class. They're very boring people, these upper class. You know, they don't really have a great deal going on. They just sit there watching TV at night. I mean, yeah, that's part, probably part of the satire, but they're not exactly very compelling characters. They're not interesting people to get to know. You know, Saltburn looks good, much like the house itself. The film looks nice, but it doesn't actually have a decent story at its core. Uh, it's all it's got is this distasteful shock value. And sure, that'll get people talking. That'll get tongues wagging. That'll get you some memes. That'll get you a bit of traction on TikTok. You, but unfortunately, that's all it's going to get. If you actually sit down and watch the film, there's no substance to it. And I wouldn't even say it's all necessarily style over substance. There's just no higher. It just goes for that shock. And, you know, it could have been a really fascinating satire. I think the core idea uh, here is actually a solid one. The problem is this: it's been done before, and it's been done better. You know, the, I was uh, I was talking with someone a little while ago about the film the Servant. Which is essentially about um, a servant, a working-class man who goes to be a valet for an upper-class uh, guy in London, and slowly mm-hmm. starts controlling his life, starts wheedling his way into his life, and it ends up with very dark, serious consequences as this guy basically takes control uh, from this position of trust and from this uh, position uh, beneath, you know, as a worker, as an employee, and just takes over. That was a fascinating story, and this could have had that at its heart but it's missing that dynamic. It's just missing something that the servant had. Um, I think it would have been better had he been in more of a, a servitude role rather than just being a guest at the house um, with very little suspicion on him. But yeah, I think it's uh it missed an opportunity. And I think once you take away all these like meme worthy scenes that, that Gav referred to, and he had to refer to them in the plot points because they are what everyone's talking about right now. No one's really talking about, the ending insofar as how it wound up for the characters they talk about the ending because Barry Keoghan is dancing around the house naked you know they're talking about these eye-catching scenes but not in the way these scenes service the film because they don't and they don't service the plot and they don't move it forward
0: a, a, a lot of the conversation does seem to be around the fact that Barry Keoghan's got a big dick and that like literally that seems to be what a huge amount of discussion seems to be about, to be honest, about the film. I don't know who you've been
1: conversing with, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) The internet. Like, honestly, that
0: (laughs) seems to be much bigger than any, like, themes or anything that's going on about it. Just just a quick thing. Yeah. (laughs) Just a quick quick thing to add on to, like, Dave's point. Like, Dave's completely right. It's a lot about the shock value. And the problem is the film after doing these shocking scenes, which again, I just wasn't shocked by, Like it has to come back to trying to tell a story, you know, in, in these in-between bits. And it ruins the story. There are bits like the relationship with him and the sister after he's, you know, after he's, you know oral sex and she's menstruating. Like, right, their, their relationship doesn't really seem to change all that much. And it doesn't seem to be a great deal going on there uh, past that. Uh, Also, like, um, you know, after he's, you know, banged the grave and done all these things, he goes back to be with um, Rosamund Pike, the the, the matriarch of the family, and she says, you're not going to leave, are you? You're not going to leave. And it's a really big plot point in the film, this thing that she's like, you know, my son's died, you can't leave, you mustn't leave, you mustn't leave. And I just didn't, it just didn't make any sense, because really, she wasn't that attached to him, That that just kind of wasn't established in the film. And I think it wasn't established because the film had spent an awful long you know, time with some odd stuff going on. So I just think like, there was, a, there was quite a lot of the film that sort of didn't make sense. It wasn't just the fact that it wasn't exploring the things that it had brought up itself. There's like some basic plot things that kind of didn't make sense because it had spent so long trying to make these moments, you know, these water cooler moments of like oh, oh my goodness you know which which again just i, I can't tell you see I, I just maybe if you watched it but maybe i'm just completely jaded or dead inside but i can apparently watch originally
3: i was when you said that you weren't shocked by some of these uh scenes i was like man i would hate to see his search history if <laughs> what dad just described didn't shock him yeah. <laughs> Ozzy, you can but, see um, my but, no,
0: think,
3: whenever you, you want, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think you you've done a good redeeming yourself and and uh, let me understand <laughs> you know why. So Gav, please uh, do come back at some of that because essentially it just sounds like shock for shock's sake.
1: No, I I, I, I disagree. I, I well, firstly, what Dave was saying with regards to the servant. Like we've seen that film, you know Harold Pinter made the the best version of that film. So why would you then go and re- remake that? Basically, I think that it was better this way around because I think when you're introduced to the family, they all fall in love with with Oliver. But actually, the servants who work there, the main butler, I think they're apprehensive. They know that he's a bit of a a leech, and he's he's coming in there basically trying to get his feet under the under the door under the door, feet under the rug, feet under the <laughs> table. Basically, his feet are under everything. <laughs> you get your feet under the door, man. Right under. <laughs> very, very thin feet. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, so, so they can see him coming a, a mile off. And I think it's much more interesting because he essentially works his way through the family in different ways to try and make himself indispensable. So he controls the sister, that's the reason that he essentially, uh, well, uh, get,
0: get, on, say it. Say the sentence. Finish that sentence. That's the reason he <laughs> uh, uh, Goes down on it. And
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm, yeah. Get, yeah. Your
0: controller. Gavin, <laughs> you're, you're saying that that scene serves a purpose other than just shock
1: well i mean the thing is is that they are there are shocking scenes you know i'm not going to deny that but yeah it does serve a purpose it shows that this is a guy who will go to desperate lengths to plant himself in in this in this family and also to well b- become more controlling more manip- manipulative to have a, a ownership or or sort of power over this this woman and, you know, he, he does it throughout. He does it later on with Farley as well. He does the exact same thing. Uh, and I, I think that it, it makes it makes sense. It makes complete sense. And th- th- what we're getting carried away from here is, like, these guys are focusing too much on these, like, shop values and the same that they don't add anything to the film. But there is still a core story underneath there. There is still a very interesting story. ..Alex was saying before, we didn't know why Rosamund Pike, Elspeth, begs Oliver to, to stay later on, it's not, not necessarily due to their connection with each other. It's the fact that that house always has somebody staying in it, it had her friend Poppy, played by Carrie Mulligan, it always had the cousin, it always had the kid, it always had somebody there, she needs somebody there whether it's because she's unhappy with her life with her marriage whatever it might be she needs somebody and once her kids have gone her friend has gone the house is empty she wants him to stay because she needs she needs life in the house essentially that's what i think that is more and also because yeah she does have a bit of a connection with him, maybe not as as strong as alex would want but it is it is still there but there are like other things that we're not talking about here about the film, you know, the production design, the set decoration by Susie Davis and Charlotte uh, Derick's respectively is absolutely superb. Saltburn itself, from the lush gardens around it to the sprawling rooms throughout, it just screams opulence and decadence. And then it was made even more grandiose by the fantastic cinematography of Linus Sandgren. Then this the costume design is also absolutely perfect, none more so than at the lavish costume party that they have for Oliver. And finally, the music is just brilliant. Fennell has done a really good job of, of collating an extremely entertaining playlist of mid-nauties songs that really help set the time and place, including that unforgettable scene at the end, accompanied by Sophie Ellis bexters murder on the dance floor. And then Anthony. Willis has done a fantastic job in scoring the film. It really helps set the tone. You've got this sort of elegant and extravagant score at times, with hints of intrigue and deceit. It it basically just set the tone for the film absolutely perfectly.
3: What what, what is that? Sorry, um, you saying it's a mid-noughties vibe? Is that is
1: that is that when it's meant to
3: be? Yes. Yeah, so it
1: starts off in in am Sure,
3: somebody described it to me as a period drama. <laughs> Yeah yeah. <laughs> I mean so it's 2006 is it, it, the is It's
0: it's really weird listening watching a film that's set in the past that's like music that you know do you know what I mean that you went to <laughs> I'm, just,
2: I'm looking at Gav's face he's he's trying not to make a joke after he said period drama <laughs> <laughs> and just seeing the inner the inner turmoil in Gav's face yeah. he was trying to, you could see he had about about seven jokes ran through his head all at once and he suppressed each of them in turn thanks guys I think I'm him. growing
3: I just I'd <laughs> taken it at complete face value oh,
1: man I think I've just burst a blood vessel in my eye
3: <laughs> very good all um So, you mean, sometimes songs that you know, like you're saying there, Alex, it can be a little bit disconcerting, Uh, you know, maybe a bit off-putting. You know, Gav's saying it was really well chosen, everything matches and it's well through, but how do you reckon about the, the music choices, the production choices?
0: Uh, you know, I think the music choices are fine. Um, I think the actual sort of the way it's produced and stuff is, you know, it, it it is well shot. I don't think it's like it doesn't fall down on that. It's you know, it's it's sumptuous and stuff. Uh, I I just think the point of it, what's the point behind all of these beautiful sets and, and costumes and stuff? It, a big thing is you know, Saltburn's this sumptuous, amazing place. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's an assumption made that you want to be there. You know, and it only it only occurred to me about like three quarters of the way through it's like and you know this is a big point of the film it's like saltburn it, itself is not kind of ever you know the the whole life of the upper classes the whole sort of the, the way it's gone on you, you yeah. sort of realize like oh god we're just meant to love this we're just meant to think this is great and aspiring to or something there's there's a lot that you could take a pop out there's a lot you could go for so the actual sort of set design is yeah that's all fine but it just sets up to be this amazing place that everyone want and Personally, I, I didn't get that myself. And also, I just thought, you know, wouldn't this be an interesting thing to explore, the the, the grounds? Why does, you know, there's a big thing of, you know, why does Oliver want to live there? It's not really explored again. but you, You've yeah, been to Prescott, you know, though, yeah? Say again? You've been to Prescott, yeah? <laughs> Prescott, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um,
3: uh, so really, Alex, the thing for you is that it falls down on essentially a story, almost like a, what what's the point? We're just piecing together weird weird scenes and going through there but um you know maybe i'll throw it over to 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 dave because i think that point's been been hammered home a bit i've got a few notes about that one but um gav mentioned about you know some of the key characters and i don't know whether you want to really set the scene for me here you know why why aren't we why don't we care about these and so alex basically said that i don't give a fuck that he wants to shag his grave because i don't care about the characters what about for you um sounds like quite a big you know, a reasonable cast of of well-established, you know, up-and-coming actors, so.
2: Yeah, yeah, I see what Alex means, to be honest with you. I think one of the big problems is you can't connect with this cast. One, because apart from, you know, some of them, they live a life that we cannot relate to. You know and a very small percentage of people who might watch this film will be able to relate to this so there's no connection with these characters and then you probably wouldn't want to connect with them even if you could they're not nice people there is not a decent and I, by which I mean a, a good human being amongst these characters at all they're they're all vile in their own way they're all horrible. Um, you know the only one who, who has a shot at redemption is Felix who, who does uh, up until the revelation of uh, that Oliver's been lying to him Felix actually does some quite nice things. Uh, for Oliver, he's the only one that maybe has a, a nice side to him. Uh, other than that, they're mostly pretty contemptible people. Um, and so, yeah, you don't really like any of them. So when these shocking things happen to them, like Alex says, you don't tend to really care particularly about any of them. Now, the performances, I would say, are, are pretty much fine, to be honest with you. Um, uh, and I'd say there's three that are, they're actually quite good. I think most people um, don't really get much to do. They don't get it like Richardie Grant. Okay, he's a great actor. He doesn't have much to do here. And the character he's been given is basically just be yourself, Richard. You know, just be like a, a less likable <laughs> version of you. You know, you're just a bit... The perfect role. Does like... Yeah. <laughs> just, like... just a bit like you. You're just kind of maybe a bit scruffier. Uh, and yeah, just just basically be Richard E. Granny. It's not really a stretch for him. Um, the only three I would say that actually really have to have any acting to do are uh, Rosamund Pike who, again, I would have liked to have seen a bit more of her, but she's actually, she's not bad in this. Uh, Jacob Elordi, who gets a decent amount of screen time. And Barry Keoghan, who is one of the best actors working in Hollywood right now, I'd say. His his star is is really starting to shine. He's doing very well for himself. Um, and we've made a bit of a joke about his accent before. His accent does drip in and out. Obviously, he's Irish, and he's playing a scouser. And his accent, yeah. it, was, it took me about 10, 15 to work out Exactly. what from? Whether he was Irish or whether he was being Scouse, it took me a moment. But you know what? The, once you get past that, it doesn't distract too much. But the accent is a little ropey, but it's not too bad. Um, the performances are OK. They're pr- they're pretty good for what they've got to work with. The issue is the characters. The issue really is the characters here. And it's about motivation. It's, this could be an interesting character study of Oliver, Barry Kierkegaard's character. Ultimately, I leave the film not really understanding why he's done what he's done. It's like, did he just want to dance naked in the house? Because he could have just like bought them a holiday. <laughs> I tell you what, you all go to Alton Towers for the day, and I'm going to dance <laughs> naked around the house while they're gone. You know, it's just <laughs> prize them <laughs> for tickets to Alton Towers, and then he can have a dance uh, naked around the house. Mission accomplished. I don't actually know what he wanted because he's he's left he's alone at the end. You know, presumably the staff have all been let go, um, the family who lived there are all dead. Uh, and he's kind of cut ties with everyone else in his life. Did he just want his own space? What did he want? I actually don't understand what Oliver wanted here. If I understood his motivation, maybe I could connect with the character, but he doesn't even make like a good movie psychopath because I don't know why he's done what he's done. There's no way of understanding why he's done what he's done. And I think that's a driving point of the film. You know, that that end revelation is only going to be a revelation with some sort of understanding, some sort yeah. of reckoning. It's like, ah, that's why he did it. But I still don't know. I understand how he did it, but that's not the revelation I was looking for. I want to know why. Why? This this bizarre behavior. I got how. Okay, you told me how, but I really wasn't that interested in that. It, it was the why. And that's what's lacking. And obviously, this is a key part of his character that we're, just, we're left guessing about. And I know you can say, oh, you can make up your own ending to a degree. And it's like, yeah, you need to give me a little bit more than that. I couldn't even make up my own ending. I've got nothing. It's like, you need to give me something, you know, you don't have to spell it out for me as such, but give me something to work with here. And the other characters, like I say, they are, they do seem to be a bit like stereotypes for the most part. You know, they are just, we've seen the like of these characters before and we will see them again. And and these characters tend to crop up in, in much lower budget films. They're pretty flat. The only, only character that is a bit of interest who you're just wondering, oh, what's his next move going to be, is Farley, um, Felix and Venetia's cousin. Who hates Oliver from the word go. And he's the only one when he crops up, is like, Oh, is he gonna dick with Oliver again? What's he gonna do now? Other than that, you everyone is so predictable. Everyone is so boring. And maybe that, maybe that's the point. Maybe they're meant to be, but it doesn't make them compelling. So I would say the cast, the actors, you know, they do what is required of them. Some of them actually do that quite well. Uh, but it's the characters, it's a huge letdown. This this should have been should have been so much more.
1: Yeah, Jeff? uh well i disagree <laughs> 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 right, very good very good Does anyone <laughs> <laughs> so, so firstly alex's point about not being able to root for characters because you don't like them I, I think that's maybe a bit old-fashioned and i think that over the past few years okay <laughs> but, yeah, but, i mean like <laughs> oh absolutely day <Dave. laughs> But I, I he, just, finger... he just slammed his China teacup down on the Arga. He is not <laughs> happy with <what> just... <laughs> But I think with stuff like Succession and even like The Sopranos, like programmes where you have quite deplorable characters, you are still invested in them. And when something bad happens to them, you are invested in, in, in what happens next. And I think that's to the extent here a little bit. Uh, with Dave's criticism about the characters being... Boring, or some of the characters being boring. I think that's that's a point that the director is making, and the fact that so often we see the 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 outside of 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 this, you know, like we might see in a magazine, or we might see it like you know walking down the street, coming out of a very very expensive shop. That we we have a glimpse of this high society, but we just see it from the outside looking in, essentially. And actually, when once you're in the inside. There's nothing really that separates them from us. You know, they can also be quite boring, quite have quite mundane lives, you know, quite mundane conversations and, and nine to fives and whatever. And just because they're wealthy and they're rich doesn't mean that they're interesting, really. But I disagree. I, I think that the characters are interesting. Uh, Starting off with Barry Keoghan, he delivers this absolutely commanding and masterful performance even though his accent is a little bit dodgy at times, he controls every scene that he's in. His character, I also think, is very deftly written and, of course, delivered with subtle hints of malevolence and, and manipulation throughout, but also drawing empathy as well, which is very hard to do. And his character arc, I think, is very well delivered, going from this shy, unconfident schoolboy to this ruthless, murdering socialite. And I think, well, I mean... Dave doesn't understand what happened at the end. Why did he do
0: it? Hear that,
1: Dave?
0: (laughs) I'm old-fashioned and you're stupid.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that you guys said it. No, but what I'm trying to say is that I think it is a case of, of if you can kind of come up with your own conclusion at the end. I did sorry, I didn't mean to be so patronizing, but one of men
0: just comes across. Yeah, I didn't mean to be so patronizing. Listen it's, up to wo- me. it's woven into your <laughs> argument. <isn't it? laughs>
1: but I, I, th- I think that like, this is a this is a guy who just wants to climb the social ladder. You know, he got to Oxford on his own merit, and he has maybe been at the more upper class level of, of where he's from. he's had a glimpse of actually what the real upper class is like when he's moved to oxford and he's like yeah i want a piece of this i want to be the popular guy i want to be in the in crowd i want to have this entire group of of cronies flocking to him just like we see felix the very first introduction we have of him he's surrounded by people everybody's hanging on his everywhere he wants that you know so he he basically creates this plan to get into Felix's life and then once he gets to salt Bear and he sees the next level he's like I want this I want to live here I want this to be my life and he associates salt the, the the place with the creme de la creme the absolute finest the best and even if it is the case that everybody's died within it and and the, all the servants have gone and actually What you've got is just a really expensive house, but you don't actually have any wealth. For him, it doesn't matter. It's a status symbol. That's something that he wants. That's something that he has aspired to be throughout the entire film. And he has achieved that, and that's why he does his little naked dance at the end. Uh, Jacob Elordi is proving to be one of the most sought-after performers working today. Uh, So I I was familiar from his work from Euphoria, where he's just so menacing. I just assumed that he was American until I saw him deliver such a convincing, made-in-Chelsea boy accent. And it turns out he's actually Australian, so I I think, you know, he's a really good actor. His character is also really well-written, as Dave was mentioning before. You know, he goes from being, he could have easily been a stereotype, the popular kid at school, the one who just sort of gets all the girls and is a bit dumb. But actually, he's quite well-rounded. He's quite sensitive. He He also draws out some sympathy from his character as well when he's sort of lowers his guard when he brings Oliver close into his family and the power dynamic changes drastically we do feel really sorry for him then you've got Rosamund Pike and Richard E. Grant superb as the cat and parents like I I thought the Pike was a bit of a shoo-in for support and actor nomination at the Oscars to be honest they're incredibly funny and engaging they're also unlikable as well but very likable at the same time so it's a very very delicate line that they walk in there but we're we're still engaged and by the end of the film when they've lost both their children they've lost their friends they've lost everything and when Pike is on her deathbed those performances are absolutely brilliant and any resentment or any disdain that you might have had for those characters is replaced with sympathy or even pity and yeah I agree that sometimes they are a little bit mundane, but the dialogue, like the way that they interact with each other is just very, very funny. bosman Pike, especially, some of the stuff that she says when she finds out that one of her friends has just died, she says, oh, she'll do anything for attention here. You <laughs> know, like, she's talking about her youth. She was like, oh, I was, I was a lesbian for a while, you know, but it was all a bit too wet for me in the end. Men are so lovely and dry. You know, like, they're just very, very funny dialogue throughout and very expertly delivered by Pike. And then you, the cast is rounded off with great performances from Archie Medecway as Farley, Alison Oliver as Venetia, and a hilarious turn from Carrie Mulligan as Elspeth's friend, poor dear Pamela. All in all, I think it's a very well-written film, very complex characters as well, amplified by terrific form performances by a very good cast, led by a must-see Barry Keoghan.
0: Yeah, just, uh, I mean, you know, Gavson's still to do so. I'm just going to say he's full of shit on the character arcs. On the ca- <laughs> I don't know whether How that's. How co- dare you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what did I say bad about you in, in any of what my
0: arguments? He, I, you, I see you, you, you went quiet there. Have you knocked you Oh, game? did I? Oh, no, oh, yeah.
1: Sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry um, that's not quite the
3: level of effort from sorry. the response that I would expect sorry. after such a good, well thought out argument.
0: I'll, do better. About- I'll yeah. do better. Uh, look no but it is it's that character arc stuff that i just get i just completely disagree with gav on that yeah. there aren't character arcs going on in this part of the problem with the is the uneven performances is due to the uneven scenes that they're in so i feel like Barry Kiogan's jumping around having to do this be a controlling person and then the next scene he's not being controlled and, and all of that you know a lot of what gav was saying about his character arc it's all plausible But that's all just sort of um that's just your own personal opinion on it and also that's all hindsight that's all after the fact of the film going back and going oh oh yeah he's doing this because of this 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 during the actual film when you're enjoying when you're actually in the moment of watching the movie none of that's clear and and also i would say afterwards i wouldn't agree with a lot of what gav said it's it's definitely it's up to interpretation i i just don't think there are particular characters going on you know like the, the idea of the posh family they're sort of sympathetic characters but then also there's this dialogue that shows them as sort of being out of touch and and silly but it doesn't really go beyond that it really doesn't there's just a huge lack of insight into the characters and just to underline what dave was saying like the main thing is how can we at the end of this after such a big change within a character not have clear understanding of why Oliver's character is acting the way he is. I mean, you know, get, Gav was saying his own opinion on it, but really, at the end, Dave's absolutely right. Like, what? Why is? what is it about his home, his, you know, upper middle class life in Prescott that's been so bad for him? You know, we, we have a quick mention of something about being bullied or something, but if we explored that a little bit, we might know why he's so obsessed. Or And, and that would be an interesting thing, and in, in the film absolutely could do that, but it, it just doesn't so... I, I just think you can have all of these shocking moments and you can have all of that that's fine but you can't have an absence of character arc. you can't have an absence of the reasons that people are doing this and and i just think for me mm-hmm. that that makes the character i just think it makes the performances as well quite uneven so when barry keoghan is just sort of a little bit all over the place and and you're not really sure why and at the end of the film you wait and you're thinking oh well, will that all fall into place and it's like not really I think actually that was just because it was a weird scene they wanted to put in and it didn't fit in itself. It didn't fit into its own movie. So they kind of just had to change the characters to make it make sense for a little bit and then move on to it. So I just think, you know, yeah, performances were good but massively uneven characters with very
1: little development. Uh smoke come back, Yeah, no, I'd, I'd just like to say that Alex, People are complicated, man. <laughs> we are we... Neither you
0: nor I are
1: complicated. But like, I, I, think, I, I think what Alex wanted there, I think that would have been a bit too easy, you know, like if he would have been from a really poor, like underprivileged, like working class background, uh, and that's the reason that he wants to escape. That's, that's
0: or, not you... what I said. No, no, I mean, I would like, I think it's interesting that he's from an upper middle class. Yeah, yeah. House. I think that's fascinating. The film doesn't go there at all. Once they've left, that's never mentioned again. And I don't and think it, never I don't think see it needs family. to.
1: I think I think it's more interesting the fact I hang on, but this guy actually is from quite an affluent background himself. Why is he doing this? It's 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 more interesting. Exactly. Why because why is he doing it? like yeah, you don't need everything written out for you. Well, you the, the, the main motivation
0: for him doing things, yes, I would like that. I would like someone to write that the, down.
1: The, the, the main motivation him. is that he's he's power hungry. He's greedy. He wants to. He wants to I become. Don't, I don't think that's clear. I really don't think that's clear in the film. I well, no, raise your you, eyebrow. You, you
0: put you, that left eyebrow back down, don't you? Don't you dare.
1: <laughs> also, also, your point about the the, the shocking moments. The, the fact is, is that I don't think it detracts from the film. I think it adds to the film because we're all still talking about them. Everybody is still talking about these scenes. Ozzy hasn't even watched the film and he knew several points that we were alluding to before. It doesn't detract from the film. It's still a good film, it's still well written, well acted, well performed. But those additional bits. Yeah, they're divisive, but we're still talking about them. They're getting people drawing even more audiences to the film because people are interested. People want to see what what the big fuss is about, and I don't think that's a bad thing.
0: That's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> hey, is there anything that we want
3: to round up on before we move to the quiz? No, I'm uh, I, like I think I've got plenty to go on. Uh, there's some re- been some really good arguments. So uh, a quiz then. I think uh okay. last week between alex and i the official account within the uh, the group said alex was meant to have written it i think the unofficial account which may have been recorded was that i was meant to do the quiz so neither of us did a quiz and both us did a good job yeah. <laughs> but hopefully both of you us. can do a better job this time cheers bud
0: <laughs> I, I i've put a bit of effort into this one so This quiz is all about uh, disturbing scenes that have happened in different films. And to make up for my lack of effort, I've actually made it link all the way through. So it's
3: very nicely. These are my favorite. These are my favorite type of quizzes. And that's a massive plus point to the prosecution already.
1: Hey, (laughs) the fucking trial's (laughs) over. (laughs)
0: You should, maybe, Gav, you should put a bit of effort into your quizzes and so maybe that would help you. Anyway, How dare on. you? All I said was you were old-fashioned.
1: It's not even that bad. People like old-fashioned.
0: Uh, uh, right. Uh, starting off with disturbing scenes, uh, just out of interest, if you had to say the most disturbing, what what quickly comes up to you in mind?
1: Uh, martyrs. Just, uh, yeah, Martyrs. martyrs. Uh, bone, uh, bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah great they are not in the quiz uh, anyway <laughs> <laughs> uh, starting off with old boy uh, okay. which is got disturbing in many different ways but obviously one of the more disturbing scenes is when um choi min sik the in real life actually ate an octopus as part of the film but as you know as, as often happens they didn't get it in one take so how many Live octopuses (laughs) did actor Choi Min Sik eat?
1: Oh, god, I don't even want to think about it. Yeah, I'm gonna say four, seven.
3: (laughs) Seven, the entire octopus is it a big octopus?
2: No, it's a little octopus, octopus. giant red octopus. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's that's in my head. No, there were little ones. Little like you can get it in the in, in your hand. Hold it in your hand. It's like okay. a kraken. <laughs> you
1: have to cut it up with a machete. Uh
0: well, Gav gets the point. It was actually four. It was exactly Oof. four. Apparently wow. the first one that someone put too much salt on it. And uh the second one, um, he just started laughing. And then he just and then yeah he started corpsing as he was eating the uh eating the octopus
1: so. but i don't feel <laughs> too bad for him now i feel worse for the octopuses to be honest i know i yeah. know
0: i know yeah, yeah. um so that's yeah, what someone fun said
2: fun. to him actually in an interview he's like he's like that must have been horrible for you is that like, it was worse for the octopus believe me
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well more than
0: one but all four of them poor little bastards yeah. uh moving on from a film that's got an infamous hammer uh, scene this is the link by the way okay yeah, this is the bit in the quiz where i'm linking it to- to the next question uh, so you know old boy very famous hammer scene another very famous hammer scene is in Misery when Annie, like, when Annie Wilkes <laughs> takes a sledgehammer to Paul Sheldon's ankles but what actually happened
1: in the original bam, 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 bam. Yeah. I watched Misery last night can you believe that <laughs> wow. and I said this exact bit of trivia to Siobhan in the book uh, she actually saws his feet off <laughs>
0: She does. Well done, Gav. And uses a propane torch to cauterise it. Well done, Gav. You're, you're running away with the quiz. Who um, would have uh, thought
3: you were such a big Stephen King fan?
0: Who <laughs> <laughs> would know you'd know such about, about disturbing scenes in films? Well done, Gav. <laughs> uh, another self-inflicted amputation happens in 127 Hours, where which is a true story of Aaron Ralston, who had to sever his arm to escape being trapped uh, by a boulder but true or false the arm is actually still there trapped beneath the rock and it's been made into a tourist attraction with stills around the film nailed up on the walls probably true if it's in America
2: yeah I'm going to say true I'm
3: I'm going to differ just in case I get a point
0: Well done, Aussie. Yes, no, that's insane. It was false. I (laughs) I
1: was gonna say, imagine the guy going back for his arm and being told Uh, no,
0: (laughs) or just someone like, Should we get it out and just be like, Hang on, (laughs) hang on, (laughs) hang on a minute? Uh, right, uh, moving on from you know a bit of self surgery into Castaway, uh, how does Tom Hanks's character deal with toothache?
3: Does he? Pissing his mouth. Pissing piss his, his mouth.
0: mouth. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a. I'm gonna give you a point. I'll see if you can explain why I'm pissing in your mouth. <laughs>
2: because
3: what,
0: would help at all with. Two- <laughs> because because
3: earlier on when we were discussing about seeing uh, Barry Keegan's, uh penis That's, in the film, yeah. it occurred to me that because we did talk a lot about uh, Tom Hanks' penis in Green Mile, I, did, I was too. going to ask a question about whose penis was more impressive, but you don't actually see his penis, do you? So it led me to a quick Google search, and it turns out that Tom Hanks pisses in a lot of films as a way to solve problems. So when you raised that, he may have had a toothache. Um, no, it's
0: weird, see I, I watched A League of Her Own, which isn't a very good film the other day. And it's a big scene where Tom Hanks is pissing, so it's 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 funny yeah. you should say that, yeah.
1: Yeah, but the, the funny thing is is Ozzy didn't say that he drinks his own piss, he said that he pissed <laughs> into his own mouth. <laughs> like a like a chimp. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a fate in itself, to be honest. Man, this toothing is killing me. What can I do?
0: <laughs> I'm at the end of a tether. I'm gonna try it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to, to, does he, does he um, bash it out with a rock? He does. Yeah, well that's what done, I was gonna Jab. say.
0: Well done. He hits himself with a rock. <gasps> In 1996, is The Rock a poor Ooh. henchman? Thank you. Nice. A poor henchman drops a canister of nerve agent that kills him, while David Morse uh, looks through a soundproof glass and says sorry to him. What is the name of the chemical
2: they drop? VX the gas.
0: Well done, Dave.
2: Well done, Dave. Very of course. Good.
1: Well done, Dave. Very good.
0: I like the way you say it, like was VX Gas. VX Gas, obviously. Gas. What
1: are Come you on. talking about? Uh
0: Sean Connery starred in the rock, uh as his later career was blossoming, but earlier on in his career, when the phone line was obviously being silent, <laughs> he did uh, <laughs> he did 1974's Zardoz, um which is possibly I've only put, I've only included this because it's possibly the most disturbing costume that's ever been (laughs) used. So I would like someone, and I am going to be very pedantic about this, um, I'd like you all to describe uh, Sean Connery's costume in this, and I will give you the points to the person who is closest, starting with Ozzy.
3: What's the film called? Sorry, Stardog.
0: Zardoz. Stardog. Zardoz. <laughs> Stardog.
3: <laughs> <Zardoz. laughs> That's a completely I, different film. I,
1: I have, Imagine if have being a kid's film called Stardog. You accidentally rented out Zardoz and shoot it <laughs> to your kids. I, I
3: have I have absolutely no no even inclination of what he, what the film is about. So I'm gonna suggest that he is wearing um a Leotard with um like feathers black feathers sewn into
2: the <laughs> sewn into the thigh pieces
0: yeah he wishes he wishes no uh moving on to dave
2: okay i can i reckon i can have a good go at describing this i'm, We're talking... I'm
0: only leaving Gav last that he, he literally made me watch this film with him
2: yeah <laughs> i'm going to describe the costume as thigh high black leather boots oh. uh red speedos and the only other thing he's wearing are like two crisscrossed red bandoliers. Yeah. Tie this in the fact that he's got long black hair in a braid, in like yeah. a side <laughs> braid, and this terrible porn star mustache. Yep. And that is essentially everything he's wearing. <laughs>
0: Wow. Is is there anything you'd like to add Gav cuz technically Dave did miss miss one one important detail which I did have to zoom in on the picture to check that I was uh,
1: I mean it, uh, so I would describe it more as like a, a red cod piece. <laughs> looks yeah, like point, point. it looks like it's been made using gaffer tape. <laughs> <laughs> And the uh, uh, thing that he's missing, I don't know, his gun. Is, he's got like a, a magnum. Oh, he's got That's, a gun. Yeah, he's got, yeah. yeah, got a, gun. a prop, but no, not a costume.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'd agree with that. No, it, so the so his, his red speedos are actually attached to the bandoliers with <laughs> oh, <little yeah>. suspenders. <laughs> so they're tiny, the tiny little suspenders. So, uh, so yeah, uh, but I'll give is, you both. Is, is that to keep
1: that. the bandoliers in place or to keep his bullies up? I, <laughs>
0: we'll have to see <laughs> we'll have to try it one day uh, I was worried when it came to my stag do that I would be walking around <laughs> <laughs> quite happy when I didn't have to um, okay moving on from that well done you did very well there um, a piece, another piece of clothing that then suffers an horrific fate is when Judge Doom lowers which cartoon item into a vat of acid in oh, it's a shoe, it is a shoe, Little shoe. well done <laughs> It
2: squeaks it, as it sh- dies. It's horrible. It's
0: pretty disturbing scene. I think I uh, avoid watching that film just because of that scene, to be honest. Um, another character who has far too much acid is Raoul Duke in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you. Nice link. Thank you. Very good. Thanks, Some guys. very,
3: very good links. I can only Thank aspire you. to that. <laughs>
0: hey. Uh, what does Raoul Duke see when he is trying to check into his hotel? It's a disturbing scene, you would say. This isn't the carpet. Mm, It's the same scene as the carpet, but I would say more disturbing than the carpet. What What are the people doing around him as they're checking in?
2: I can't remember for the life of me now. They don't become lizards. Someone become a lizard? You see someone as a lizard or something?
0: I'll give you half a point, Dave. Can you finish off?
2: No, I'm sure you see someone as a lizard. The carpet starts moving. He sees, like, Im- he sees himself for, for Fucking golf shoes yeah. <laughs> he sees himself by which i mean johnny depp sees hunter s thompson the actual yes. yeah, yeah, <laughs> sat in good. the in the casino good, yeah um no i can't remember what else happens it's been a while
0: very close the, the, the lizards having an orgy dave so i would have given you
2: i think self-preservation kicked in and it's blocked <laughs> that part from my memory <laughs> <laughs> Um.
0: Another very disturbing film involved in Lizards was 1995's Theodore Rex. Uh, <laughs> what, but, but true or false, uh, a young Carey Mulligan made their film debut in Theodore Rex. Oh, true. This, this like falls. a full
3: circle
0: star of the show. I, I know what I'm doing, man.
3: Yeah, very nice, very nice. I'm going to say true.
0: Yeah, no, D- Dave gets the points. False, just because I needed to, <laughs> I needed a segue to bring it full circle, and that seemed a nice. It seemed
1: I was just, she's, she's British. <laughs> Surely her first film would be like a British film. Joe, <laughs> like, Brucey, uh, G- you know well, G- I could have, I could have ended it for you there. Uh, a- another film featuring a lizard orgy was Jacob's Ladder, uh, which <laughs> is the name of uh, Jacob Elordi. <laughs> Oh, hey, hey, much, better, much
0: better, much yeah. better. <laughs> uh, well done, now Alex. That was Hang amazing. on, I've got, I've, I've finally got one final thing. Uh, yep. My final question about Saltburn. I just thought I'd make it because he's been all disturbing scenes. So let's make a nice question to end it. Which Harry Potter book are they all reading in Saltburn?
3: Oh, oh, um,
2: um, Goblet as Caban, fourth one, Goblet no. of Fire. <laughs> Uh, is, order of the phoenix uh,
0: it is, i'll give it to gav it is uh definitely hallows and that means uh aussie you got one point so you've got four and a half points and gav got five points you stole
1: it right at the end <laughs> with <laughs> the yeah, yeah nice work well, thank, well done. thank you thank you thank, thank you very much Alex. amazing quiz aussie onto the verdict so,
3: um guys you didn't make it very easy i didn't know what i was going to think coming into it i've heard it. Absolute shit, I've heard it. It's one of the best things that's ever been created. Um, and to be for the argument you put across on both sides were really strong and it resonated with them all. So um, I'll be, I'll be short sure with it, so I'm going to put it on the hit list. <laughs> the thing that creates this much discussion is has um, is got to be on the hit list. You know, Donnie Darko right up there is some of the greats. And um, if this is even <laughs> half as good as that, then... It well deserving of its place.
1: Thank you very much, Ozzy. Uh, genuine opinions. I'm going to go first. I uh, agreed with Alex, to be honest, and Dave. I really liked it up until a point where there, there was the big reveal that actually, oh, he's a master manipulator and he's been conspiring against the family this entire time. And yeah, I, I, I didn't find it as, as interesting. I just felt it was a little bit... So towards the end of the film, I felt like it was more coincidental. So it fin- finished in 2006 in the summer, and then it fast forwards at the end to 2022. And then Oliver reads that James has died. So Richard Z. E. Grant died, and he reads that in the paper. So that's a coincidence that he, he actually sees that in the paper. Then he finds out where Elspeth is living in a flat, and then stakes that out essentially by going to, I imagine, a, a cafe right next to her flat in the hopes that she goes there as well and sits there just writing or working or whatever, waiting for her to come in and then uh, bumps into her. So that's bit, that bit's planned. And then with the intention of her saying, I'll come back to live at Saltburn with me, even though she lives in this flat now, And then them sort of, I don't know, did they fall in love? Did they form a relationship? I don't know, but they spent like seven months together and then she bequeaths the the manor to him and then he, he kills her. It just felt a little bit like, oh, and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. And it felt like it was really, really well written up until that point. And it felt like it was just an unnecessary twist. I would have rather it have been this sort of tale of, him get manipulated, and then you know, as Dave was saying before, the story of the servants where you know the power dynamic flips and he becomes the manipulator. Uh, yeah, but it, it just felt a little bit too unbelievable at, at the end, a little bit rushed as well. Alex,
0: I just think I just think it lacked a point, and it, it sets itself up so well in the first bit that the lack of it was quite annoying. I I was much earlier than you, Gav. I was uh, the bit where they come in and realize that Pamela's dead. I was like, she's dead. Like, that's quite, you know, that's quite just cut and dry and, like, our character's just out of it now. It just seemed too extreme. And then that just seemed the way that the film was going. It just, Mm -hmm. it sort of lacked a point and just started becoming more and more extreme. And I just stopped caring. So I was just like, well, anything seems to be possible here. Like, anything seems to be able to to, to happen. Whereas the first half of the film, you're like, oh, this is really odd. it's an interesting dynamics going on between characters. By the end, it just seemed like people not being very nice to each other and, Saying weird things and I yeah just I just really didn't care and I think it was worse because the first half of the film it was kind of quite unique and quite interesting and the second half you I just think you've seen it all before to be honest I, I so yeah uh, I, yeah I, I think it was hard doing it for yours because it, it hits I think you might enjoy it to be honest because it is well done and I think it I think it's the style of film that I think you would enjoy but um, but yeah this it's definitely. It's definitely flawed.
1: Thanks, Alex. And Dave? Uh,
2: I wouldn't say I enjoyed it because it's not necessarily a, a film you can walk away from say, thinking you've enjoyed, but I thought it was very good. I thought it was a very good film, um, although I did, I wouldn't say I necessarily lied about so many points. I, I maybe exaggerated a few insofar how much they affected my enjoyment of the film. It was I, I thought it's a solid piece. I thought Emerald Fennel's done a really good job with this one. I thought the acting was superb. Um, but, but yet, like I say, I wasn't necessarily lying about some of these points. Gab's absolutely right with that. You know, it's a little convenient that he just waits in the cafe. And it, one, that it's convenient that he finds out which flat she's moved to and then that he finds out which cafe she might frequent. You know, I, I've never been in the pub at the end of my road. I've lived there mm-hmm. for six years. Someone could be waiting in there for me right now, just like <laughs> pretending to type, pretending to type on a laptop, and they've been there for six years, and I've not even set foot in the place. So it is a little convenient. Um, I, I didn't mind the the death of pamela i thought that actually served quite well for the contrast of you know she's trying to get rid of her friend pamela it's like you know she can't go soon enough and then it's uh, like how elspeth's character becomes a bit more vulnerable as she tries to stop oliver leaving you know that whole oh you're not leaving now are you sort of thing you must stay it's it's a complete contrast it shows how her character flips and becomes a bit more vulnerable uh so i I actually didn't mind that bit and also I, i did quite like the satirical look at the the upper class as it were um it is definitely deliberate that the family are dull you know, that the on the, all their friends are tedious and dull and just people you wouldn't want to spend time with. You know, there's nothing to envy about their lives. Sure, they're rich as hell, but there's nothing really enviable about it. They're very boring people and they, they have all these resources and they don't do anything with it. You know, I remember they sit there watching TV most nights and I was like, I said the cat, that TV's tiny. Their TV is mini. You think these people, these people are millionaires. Why have they got such a small, our TV is bigger than that. And then it's just kind of, you've got all these resources and you just don't know how to live with it. You don't know how to treat yourself. If you like watching TV and watching films, get yourself a nice TV to do so. But it's like, you know, when people say to me, oh, you live by the beach. That must be so nice. It's like, I never go. (laughs) <laughs> I guess when you when you've got it at your fingertips, you're just so used to it being there. You, you're spoiled and you just like you forget that you can do this. And yeah, I thought it was a decent, decent look at um, the lives of the upper class in that regard. So, you know what? There was a lot going on here that, yeah, well, there's a lot to criticize, but there's a lot to praise as well. And overall, I think I came away thinking Emerald Fennell and the cast and everyone involved has done a very good job. Uh, I think it's a decent film.
1: Thank you very much for that, Dave. And uh, higher than our previous film on trial, which was Oppenheimer, which scored a very, very high ninety-three yeah. percent and ninety-one yeah. percent critical and audience Probably scores respectively. Lower. Oh, got lower, on. lower on bottom Gotta be lower.
0: Seventies, high seventies, I'd say.
1: Yeah, yeah. Alex has pretty much spawned the money there. Seventy-one percent critical and seventy-nine percent audience. So still really good scores, to be oh, honest well that's it thank you very much for your arguments guys really appreciate it thank you very much for judging aussie and thank you to everybody who's listened to this episode we really do appreciate every single one of you checking out our silly little show and if you want more films on trial content goes up go to go to films check us out on all the streaming platforms and all the socials as well at film trials on twitter and films on trial on everything else so what have we learned today? Well, we've learned that Alex is old-fashioned, Dave's an idiot. and uh... <laughs> We knew that before. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've also learned that Saltburn Ben is on the hit list. And we're going to be back in your ears in two weeks time where we continue our best of 2023 season with John Wick Chapter 4. So see you then, guys. Goodbye. Thank
3: you very much. Join me to do another one in case it doesn't fit. Yeah, go I'm going to put it on the hit list. Perfect. It's going on the hit list. And why?
2: <laughs> Say it angry. Say it angry. It's
3: going on the hit list. Now, now fear. Now fear. I'm afraid. I'm going to put it on the hit list. <laughs>